Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Well, the first time ever on Longhorn Blitz, and we've been doing this podcast since 2012, we have a game to talk about on actual, not like where the Big 12 is playing just regular season games, but on championship week, we have a football game to talk about. Gentlemen, the stakes don't get much higher than this. It's Texas and Oklahoma. It moves west to Arlington and AT&T Stadium. Texas looking for the program's first conference championship since 2009. Oklahoma win, and they're probably, maybe, in to the college football playoff. I think they're in. Yeah. I think if they win, they're in. I think they're in, too. Yeah. I think America wants to see this OU offense if they win versus a Clemson defense or an Alabama defense. I want to see Nick Saban try to stop Kyler Murray. That's what I'm saying. I want to, exactly. To. I want yeah. to see Nick Saban. Brent Venables, too. Yeah. I would love to see that. Brent Venables has the pieces to do it. I would love to see them, give them a shot at it. And if they can't do it, then let's all laugh yep. and watch the world burn. Because <laughs> everybody you know I mean? yells about defense. Because <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? then our defense would truly be dead. Honestly, if Texas is going to lose, that's kind of the, the narrative that I want to see. But you know what would be even better, Rod? It's Texas is hoisting that Big 12 championship trophy at the end of 60 minutes Nothing on Saturday. If you're A&M sweet. and LSU at the end of seven overtimes, whatever it hey. takes. Hey, let me say this, Aggies. That was the most exciting <laughs> Aggie football game I've ever watched in my life. It was pretty nuts. I was yelling. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've never watched one. And I was on the sideline yeah, for he, the last Texas, Texas A&M game. And, I've ne- and that was a damn good game. That was yeah, you can see game. Rod B behind Tucker sitting exactly. there. <laughs> I've never watched a more exciting game. So, kudos. That was a hell, that was a, it was a hell of a game to watch. Who got screwed over and who got shafted, all that kind of stuff. We can talk when about I, that later. But that was a great game to watch, man. When and I have to think fun. about exciting A&M games and I've got to go back it was 20 fun. years, yeah, that's mm. probably the most fun, I, I, most, fun, yeah. I, most fun I've had. I'm yeah. a Longhorn fan. Yeah. All right? You played of, for the University of I Texas. I played for UT, so I love beating the Aggies and dog. I've never had more fun watching a game, found myself randomly rooting for the Aggies, but I was rooting for the state of Texas more so than the Aggies, let me say that. You're, good, you're a good Texan. Right? And I just love that it worked out because I remember back in the day when it was the previous longest game ever and they had to institute this two-point conversion rule after the third to prevent uh, it yeah, from man, going six start or with seven. That rule, dude. Yeah. Two-point yeah. conversion rule should be from the jump. Yep. I think the NFL needs to adopt the, the college rule and do that too, because then that man it, basically the overtime will be over after one or two overtimes easy. That's why better, this one was so great because yeah. it just kept going. They wouldn't answer. Good. They would. I got a better idea for overtime. How to yeah. how to improve it and Go make ahead. sure you don't get a seven overtime game. No field goals. You're in four down territory the entire overtime. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. that's even better. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. We already gave it to you at the twenty five. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. No field goals. No field goals. I agree with that. No field goals, and you have to go for two. We're just putting pressure yeah. on it. Boom. Who gives a damn? Well, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> we want this over whoever has, you know I mean? If you couldn't sell it in 60 minutes, you don't get to dictate the terms yeah. at that well, point. Exactly. And the players out there now playing 60-plus minutes don't want it to come down to a kicker at that well, point. We want, you know? we want as many pressure pack situations as possible, so I agree with that. No field yeah. goals. And you know, don't really the kicker can go sit down. Kicker can yeah. go to the locker room. Don't We're done it. with you. We're done with your kicker. I've already <laughs> said that. I'm not. I, it's not like no, I, I totally disrespect no a whole group of people. But kickers, I could ban- just banish them from football, and I'd be totally fine. You yeah. don't. I mean, it's the like quickest way to do it. <laughs> All right, yeah. we've talked enough Aggie-related uh, stuff here <laughs> on the show for to last us a lifetime. Shout out Aggies! But yeah. uh, so the Texas Kansas game, guys, wasn't near that exciting. It was what it was on Black Friday. We all said it doesn't matter what it looks like, how it happens. Just go to Lawrence, get the win, get on the plane, and come back and get ready for the Big 12 it championship game. <laughs> it, it was, was bowling shoe ugly at I mean, times. It was ugly, yeah. U-G-L-Y, no, agli- no alibi. But ugly. Texas gets the win, and uh, Rod, I'll start. Actually, this is Longhorn Blitz with Horse 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let me bring in the rest of the team and do our formal introduction here before we get going for those of you who are new to the show. Uh, he is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing very well, and I was very happy to see that on the Thanksgiving night you were introduced to a hilarious show by the name of Brockmeyer. Your tweet was cracking me up whenever uh, I was reading that you were in a hotel room in Kansas trying to get up to the Kansas game the next morning. I was actually at Kevin Flaherty's house, our national ah. college basketball writer, who's uh, one of my best friends in the business. I stayed at Kevin's house. And nice. shout, out, shout out to Kevin and his wife, Whitney. They went out to a really nice steakhouse in, uh, in the Kansas City metro area on Thanksgiving. Uh, I was on a plane and could not make that meal, but they brought me back a to-go plate, so I had That's some killer. prime rib and turkey mm. and like two different kinds of potatoes. And yeah, so it was awesome. Uh, but yes, I did discover Brockmeyer. I don't know if there's a better like opening ten minutes to a series ever. Yeah, and what I remember being Meyer. in sports radio and Hank Azaria, the guy from The Simpsons that created it, he used to go and do radio hits as this Brock Meyer character, and just yeah. with no context, and it's just your most foul play-by-play. Imagine Craig Way, who's right here, if he was a foul-mouthed heathen of the world that is just after a breakdown trying to stay in the loop. I can't and picture it, that. Look next door. Look at Craig Way. Look how much of a professional we can look through the glass right now he, is a professional. he has his wisdom glasses on right we yeah. got our hats on different between the two but yes uh, brock meyer uh, that <laughs> show i mean he, he seeing azaria he'll do whole hours of talk shows in that character now it's almost like he's a uh, character form actor it's pretty good a man who once upon a time carried a four-hour talk show by himself which is no simple feat uh now you get him two hours each and every weekday uh, like on the it. horn, on the broadcast from 1 to 3. He is our Lockdown Corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres where he earned his degree. When he gets his T-ring back, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, before, we get, answer, the, before we get to the Kansas game, Big 12 championship game, you played in two of these. One in 1999 yeah. as a true freshman, one in 2001 against Colorado. Both rematches. Both rematches from yeah. a regular season game it's that true. you guys won the regular season matchup, lost, lost the conference the championship yeah, game. Crazy. Let's not spend too much time on 2001 because I don't want to jump out of the window but onto 360 hmm. here in the studio. It's been a well chronicled one. It's a damn shame. But, Rod, what are, what are the challenges damn of facing shame. a team twice in the same year? 
Well, it depends. I, I guess it depends on what side of that mm-hmm. equation you might be on. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma, they're on the different side of the equation. There's some there's some angst there. You can tell it's, bo- it, it's bothered them. It's in their head a little bit. Uh, you talked about that on, on, on uh, the broadcast yesterday when we were, uh, you know, kind of rapping during the breaks. And, you know, I think for for us, we I, I don't think we prepared as well as we should have for number one for that Colorado game because we blew Colorado out of the water. And not saying we took them lightly, but obviously we we didn't execute as well coming out. There wasn't the focus and the precision uh, when we came out like we beat them in the first time. And essentially it was a home game for us because we were playing in Texas. I believe the first play of that game was game. when B.J. Johnson stole the ball from Roy Williams' spot, if my memory serves correctly. Which is kind of a weird kind of play. And remember, Mike Williams and Cedric, Cedric Benson. Benson end up having this weird Benny Hill, Three Stooges moment where make a after Chris Sims throws a pick, they try to make a tackle, they run into one another, and both of them get hurt. It was a weird, strange game. Major comes in, and even then, we probably should have won the game, and it came down to the wire, and... I hate to say it, kind of the weird Aggie thing. We ran out of time, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it was it was one just, game simple. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was one. I think we I think we may have taken it for granted. Even right before that game, we knew if we won that game, we could have gone to the national title. I'm not gonna say that affected us, but it definitely didn't. I don't know if it helped everybody. I should say that. I don't know if it helped everybody psyche. It got me excited. I was pumped. I was pumped. Yeah. I was like, man, we won a national title. This is what we worked for. This is it. This is why I came to Texas. Mm-hmm. All we got to do out here is beat the hell out of Colorado, it somebody we already beat. To man, get, let me the hell out of this locker room because I'm about to beat the hell out of somebody. Like, seriously. You know what I mean? And I don't think – I think other people put more pressure on themselves. And you, um, made, you made Gary Barnett look like a fool for calling a fake punt and throwing it to your side of the field. And which was a, by a dumb play by them. You know what I mean? Like they, mm-hmm. they were melting down at one point because I don't think they believed yeah. they could beat Tech. I think one point they, they were like, like, oh my God, what we're the hell on. is going on here? How do we sustain Well, they had this? just done okay, this. You know what? Let's just call a fake punt. Fake yeah. punt. It's like, uh, <laughs> what, what do you mean? Why? <laughs> and they just called it a fake punt because it started to melt down for them because they weren't, we were a better team, but in football, the better team does not always win, as we know. That's the better team on that day, and they were the better team on that day. Well, Texas was the better team than Kansas on Friday in the regular season finale. Texas and wins 24-17. Rod, there's not a lot of sexiness to talk about with this game. Uh, Again, it kind of was what it was. You just needed to go up there and get the win. But let's start with the Texas defense, who really, other than one long run and one drive at the end of, towards the end of regulation, where you had a lot of backups in, you saw a lot of Anthony Cook on the field, Joseph Osai playing more reps. Uh, That was a touchdown drive by Kansas and a 57-yard run by Puka Williams. Defense actually played really well. Uh, you got a really big game from Jeffrey McCulloch. I already mentioned Joseph Osai, yeah. uh, who played a lot and was actually surprisingly effective setting the edge in the run game. Charles Amina, who gets a sack. Uh, Kansas got nothing going in the passing game all day, really, until the end of the game, like I said, when you started putting some backups in and maybe you were just trying to make them bleed some clock. So, Rod, we'll start with the defense, man. And second week in a row, uh, you're not really playing a, an offense with true air raid DNA like – a West Virginia or an Oklahoma or a Texas Tech, but still, well, nevertheless. Baby's Baby's an Baby, guy. Well, Baby's, Baby's, Baby's a spread guy. He worked with, uh, but he, I worked with Mangino for a while, and he worked with uh, Sumlin for a while. He's got some of that in him. You know not, what I mean? Not in the sense that, like, Cliff He's not a direct does. descendant. Right. He's not exactly from the tree, but. The, the point is. He's plucked some knowledge. If, he's plucked a little knowledge. If you're looking it. at this Texas defense, yeah. 
you couldn't really think of a better way for them to, after that rut we all talked about in the middle of the season, and that's not pretty. It's not great. You look back at that, and yes, it is terrible. But to put together two really pretty good performances in a row going into this Oklahoma game, if you're Todd Orlando, you I think you have to like the fact that at least your guys kind of took a deep breath, let it out, and got back to playing the tie, the brand of football we saw towards the end of last year and towards the first part of this season. Yeah, um, they still miss too many tackles, honestly, against Kansas. Uh, Kansas doesn't have the athleticism to take advantage of it. We're just being critical here. Um, but the defense obviously played well right. enough for them to win. Uh, I think they missed close to like, I think 16, 17 tackles in that yeah. game that I counted. Uh, that's getting close to what you were missing against, you know, uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. You and, and against Oklahoma, and I could probably go back and, and count the, you know, missed tackles against Oklahoma, but there weren't as many against Oklahoma. Actually, a lot of the plays were just kind of big bus plays where mm-hmm. guys were wide open in space. Like that Kyler Murray run, mm-hmm. I think there were like only – it's only like one missed tackle. The angles were so damn bad. There you go. I was about guys to say. Guys didn't get to – But that's what Kyler Murray does. Yeah. Tackle. You know what right. I mean? Like I think there was one at the line of scrimmage. Then after that, the angles were so bad, it was just like – And I was like, well, he's three yards away. Can I count that as a missed tackle? Or is he superhuman? Like when you outrun angles like those Tyree Kill angles, you see some people where it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, so I think against Oklahoma, it is going to be crucial that, you know what I mean, that and that was one of the big things and Todd Orlando talked about it the last two weeks. Hey, they've gotten back to uh, a lot of contact and practice. That's a short week, though. Let me just say that. That's a tough week, man. A short week against anybody is just tough. Mm-hmm. You know I, I mean? would doubt and you win a lot of contact on Monday. But they said they did. They said they, w- they had a padded practice. And I'm with you. I like That's just a tough week. I don't. I, I think if they, if they did have the pads on, that was it. It wasn't any smacking going on. They just had the pads and on. And coming off. You know what I mean? Like, we had the pads But either on. way, I mean, they yeah. still tried so, it during a short yeah. week, which coming, is a and, lot of physical. coming off of, other than Oklahoma, what is, and maybe TCU, what is going to be your most physical game of the year against Iowa State, given their personnel and their style of play. So you, you combine all that, a night game against Iowa State, Combined with a short week, yeah, you can see. But Rod, one thing I'm concerned about with the defense, you bring up missed tackles. Seventeen officials, and, and, so, and I wanted to I go can... there. It seems like they're, you know, between the hashes in the box isn't where big plays are getting popped against this defense. It's still concerning to me. A lot of your missed tackles are coming on the perimeter, and that's yeah. a spread. That's, well, that's the goal the teams, of it. Uh, yeah, the teams are just trying to get out there to the edge. And let's be honest, man, Puka. He's just kind of waiting to pop. I mean, you he's you the one athlete. Your breath <laughs> the whole time, like, uh, 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 uh. like he, he was. He was, he was the one guy that could make one, you miss tackles. And he and when that one he popped, hell, it didn't even it didn't look like he was gonna take it to the house. And then it was like, even Caden Stearns, one of our best athletes, was mm-hmm. like. Uh, okay, I'm not catching this dude. And it's like, wow. Okay. Caden Stearns <laughs> thought he had an angle until he quickly realized. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. realized oh, this dude is a oh, he has different beats. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, so I give him that. I, I will say this about I love the way, since I talked about Caden Stearns, I love the way that now they're using Caden Stearns uh, and even using, I think Brandon Jones has always played closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, B.J. Foster too, but now Caden Stearns is becoming a big part of that, and he's making more plays around the line of scrimmage. Well, he's it's a variation. tackles for a loss. Yeah, I think, I think it's just, like I said, I think it's a disservice to him when you put him as a deep middle fielder and just leave him there all the time. Um, he, there are times for that, and there are times that you can move him down. When you Puka was the only threat, they started moving those guys down, and that's how they main, pretty much were, were able to neutralize him. Um, and maintain a good rush defense for most of the game. 
Yeah, and that's a great point right there with Stearns, and it's sort of how we were talking about in the middle of the season, you know, what's Orlando going to do to change up the looks that you give because it's sort of the whole goal is trying to keep the confusion on the offense and yeah. seeing just the evolution of, say, either Orlando or the skills of Stearns, but then to have that so it does become predictable if he's always the high safety and then the, it makes yeah. a lot of the calculation pre-snap by the quarterback so exactly much right. easier. So just a little bit that you put in there, show the versatility is just enough to engage the mind of the offense to maybe get some confusion down the road. And uh, he's the one that with other guys. Anthony Cook got a sack. Mm-hmm. He was playing a dying position. When and we talked about sack, this against right? Iowa State. Yeah. All then, the DBs that were getting yeah, the and it's havoc like plays. Now it's time to start cross-training guys. So maybe he's listening to us or maybe he's just deciding, oh, these are five-star prodigies. Why the hell would I compartmentalize them by just playing mm-hmm. them at one position? Hell, who knows what these guys are going to, what they're going to grow into. They're just great athletes that are some of the best athletes in the country who are just playing safety and playing corner. So I think that was really good. First time I've seen Anthony Cook playing that position. Um, I could be wrong. I got to go back and watch the film, but I've never seen him play there. And he's definitely never been as impactful there actually getting a sack in that game. So he's playing. And we talked about Malcolm Roach, who's now still playing at times in that dime package, that defensive tackle position when they line up um, in a who wide, which is actually where Anthony Cook gets the sack. I believe it's, it's that formation. So he, he's, yeah, I agree. It's subtle, but that's different than what they were doing versus Oklahoma in the first game. And even in the first game, they were still able to confuse and discombobulate Kyler Murray in that game. So I do like that multiplicity now going into the second matchup. Yeah, the the Anthony Cook sack, looking at it on the right? replay, he was like a line. He was lined up he, basically as a is linebacker. It dime? Is he playing the dime? Though? It was kind of. It was a dime. Right? Because like he's not because PJ Walker's in there. Too. Like yeah, dime, you're in there dime too. personnel. He's, so he's playing basically that dime. But position. he's playing. He's playing like a middle linebacker look. So this is Todd Orlando, right? Like he's, just kind of tinkering with. He's getting freaky with it, man. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's Kansas, so you can get away with that. That's true too. But, <laughs> but no. But listen, <laughs> look, but that's maybe point. that's something we talk about when you're getting ready to play Oklahoma and the challenge of facing the second team twice. As much misinformation as mm-hmm. you can throw out there. Good point. If it's a formation like, hey, even if you're making GAs spend a couple hours, hey, go back and watch their film, see if they run that formation any other time. Time. Yeah, or see, which is what I gotta go do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, it's just a different. You know, I, I like you guys know me. I mean, I'd say, hey, look, throw a wildcat package or something out there, just so somebody has to waste practice periods and waste Agreed. practice time yeah. thinking about are they going to run this and if they are we need to be prepared for it. I agree. Deal. And then we talked about in the Iowa State game how much you saw the uh, pressure coming from the DBs and read that havoc coming from the back seven even including the linebackers. If you look at this Kansas game there is one havoc play from Malcolm Roach all the others are from DBs except for you have two or three from McCulloch everything else coming from the back end two from Foster, Stearns, Jones, so it's been consistent. Texas up to top five in the nation when it talks about defensive backs bringing the pressure on quarterbacks. Rod, I, I've you've slowly converted me onto the Caden Stearns needs to be moved around more thing, and I think at this point, to me, when you watch his skill set, you watch how how much he can impact the game. Mm-hmm. He's more in that that Kenny Vaccaro, yep. Earl Thomas he kind is. of multi dimensional type yeah. guy, and to me, just He's having him body. just having him play a high safety. I said it on the broadcast, and I'll say it again, and I'll, I'll use the analogy. It's like having a Ferrari and driving it at 20 miles an hour. Ain't no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Like, I think it's you're, you're hurting his development, but I think you're also hurting yourself because he's a, like I said, he's a prodigy, man. You're like, deducing him to being just yeah. a tool player. And people not. are like, whoa, don't, you can't put too much on him because he's a freshman. I'm like, 
when you have a prodigy, a young person that is really uh, showing that they have high level achievement at a really young age, you don't say, well, no, let's, that. let's make sure we only they, they, they're in third grade, even though they're reading at a fifth grade level. Let's make sure we only give them third grade reading material. No, no you put them in fifth grade. You, you put go, them in you know seventh what? grade. Put them in fifth. Yeah. yeah, you go. You know what? No, no, no. You're high achieving. We're going to challenge you even more. And then, therefore, we, we, we're going to watch you uh, uh, not only excel because of those challenges, but that's going to help you grow at an exponential rate. So, yeah, you're actually slowing down his development. Anthony Cook, same thing. And B.J. Foster, same thing. Because of five stars, man. Like it was early. Yeah, the, guy, the guy, the guy that all, like the top guys in the nation. The great, yeah. We talk about like the greats, but like think about a guy like Adrian Phillips. Like how quickly Rod was coaching Keena telling you, know, this guy can play all six. Yeah, I remember field safety boundary that. safety field corner boundary corner yeah. dime nickel. Look at him in the NFL. Yep. Yeah, yeah. NFL career undrafted, I believe. Right? Undrafted, yeah. Well, but there you go. He got to a training camp with somebody. I was like, damn. Picking up every every position like that. Let's move him around. NFL coach went. Let's move him around again. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. Move him around. Boom. Philip Rivers Boom. was probably just watching yeah. Texas ahead, and that number twenty out there is pretty good. Yeah. So you, let's go to the offense. And oh, real uh, quick about the defense. One other thing. Go for uh, run. They've gotten was it six turnovers? The defense six takeaways the last uh, three weeks. I believe you're correct on that. They got three against Tech. They got. Yep. Uh, two against Iowa State and one against Kansas. So that's six the last three weeks. I believe, if yes. I'm not mistaken, four of them have been in the red zone. Uh, that would be the big... three against Tech, yes, and the McCulloch mm-hmm. interception, yes. So, four in the red um, zone. What the, what are they fifth right now in the country in red zone defense? They're leading the Big 12 in red zone defense. I found that the only uh, like statistical area defensively where the Big 12 actually has at least four teams ranked in the top 20 Red zone defense because the defensive coordinators are figuring out, all right, you know what? I cannot stop these these teams in between the 20s. But once that field shrinks, once those dimensions shrink a little bit, and then, you know what I mean, then I actually can 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 apply pressure but also cover, mm-hmm. right, because I don't have to worry about the deep ball and I got the end zone and the sideline to help me out. They become my friend at that point. That's when I I throw my funky stuff in there. That's when I actually put up my my go my stand, if you will. That's when I make my stand. Everything other than that, mm-hmm. I think they're almost just setting themselves up for the red zone. Yeah. They're almost setting yeah. the offense up for all right. Wait till we get in the red yeah. zone. You're gonna think you see the same which thing, which is why but you're not gonna see. And the same did you thing. see the craziest, you know I mean? the and best? And, and by the way, sorry, sorry, interrupt. It's it's the most progressive defensive coordinators in the Big Twelve. Doing it's Iowa State. It's Texas, Todd Orlando. It's uh, David Tech. Gibbs at Texas Tech doing a good job of it. I believe Kansas was right there in the running, but uh, I think Oklahoma State actually was well, a new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. Yes, um, he also is also uh, in that category. That's why one of the things that you know I, I bring up when you're playing these spread offenses, the thing that people don't look at right, and why missed tackles are an important stat. If you just on chunk plays, especially chunk passing plays, if you just stop the ball. Right when right when the catch happens, or you're in a position to you know limit yards yeah. after catch, Big. that that oftentimes is the biggest difference between winning and losing. Because if yeah, they're when you're playing Oklahoma, you're playing Texas Tech, you're playing West Virginia. I mean, they're going to get some twenty and thirty yard passes, but the key yep. is don't let that thirty five yard completion become a seventy yard touchdown. Exactly right. 
and that's a big thing whenever you look at some of these games and we talk about the bend don't break philosophy that you start to see employed and the idea of stealing a possession back but it was uh i think the buccaneers three weeks ago it was when ryan fitzpatrick they had 501 yards a total offense and three points because they turned yeah. it over in the red zone every time and it was just the perfect example exactly of right. how you can go all you want in well, between Texas the twins but you can't it, exactly and yeah. you cannot do the same thing in that small window and that's why texas has the baseline of a Ellinger above the defense to LJ and to Colin, and then Ellinger in a play when you lose, you can run. So you can throw the ball on a plane that nobody can defend, and then you have the extension of a play if you lose it, and that's invaluable in the red zone. Yeah. No, I just just want to point out this defense. And you know what they're really good at? Oh, here it is. Okay. Make sure I get this right. Rod shuffling through papers. No, no, right? no, yeah, no, actually, and that isn't like the radio gimmick where you no, hear like Jim Rome <laughs> shuffling. It's like no, Rod's really yeah. just trying to get his papers. Uh, so also, they're really good at. I think red zone defense is a part of this um, or a trait of it. And we don't talk about this. That's sudden change defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Todd Lindo's really good at it, man. Like that's one of the things that we don't talk about enough. We Unprepared really hard on Todd Lindo. That Quick means turnover. you got to think on your feet. That means you know what you I mean. Got like, a tired defense happen, out there, right? Oh, get out there! All right, then you grab your damn. You like Robbie shuffling through papers. All what right, yard you know, line uh, are we at? Right, what, 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 third, thirty-four yard line. Thirty-four yard line. All right, let me go. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 quick thinking. It's critical thinking. It's uh, right there on your feet. Points off turnovers. Uh, one of the keys to Tom Herman's success. Uh, so far, and it's Thailand's a big uh, part of this. Been able to limit uh, points off turnovers since Tom Herman got here. Uh, Texas has committed 28 turnovers on offense, right? So they've they've lost the ball 20, 28 times. They've only allowed 31 points, and one of those came in the Kansas game. Right, the turnover, mm-hmm. the interception gets Kansas right down there, close in the red zone, and then Jeffrey McCullough gets you the get interception. Right back. You know what I mean? So it's some it's something about Todd Orlando when he gets the sudden change, and that was the sudden change plus the red zone. He's really good at it. So let's give him props for that. We've been hard on the man, but man, sudden change defense and red zone defense. He's one of the best DCs in the country, and you could argue. That's pro- that's kind of where you know the modern day football is going anyway. Part of that is I think the way they practice and Rod, you know, yeah, we've seen this we've those. seen this done a little bit over the years, but Texas does it a lot where you'll be in stretch and somebody will blow a whistle and be like, all right, goal line period. Oh, just so go, you got to go right from stretch where you're thinking about what I'm going to do to boom, you got to go right to a goal line period. Yeah. Plug you, in, yeah. focus, and it changes every day. It used to be, you know, what I mean, like they'll go something else every day, and then oh no, we're going goal line. Oh no, That's, right now we're going Oklahoma drill. Right now, like, yeah. damn, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're right. you got to stay on your P's and Q's. And then I think you do. I think it right. I think it trains you. Yeah, to right? be comfortable in the chaos. Yes, exactly. And that's a big part of it when you look in at crisis. And to get those numbers and that type of production, because we talk about the cheat code is the turnovers, yet then whenever your team turns it over, it isn't negatively affecting you somehow. Big. So you're talking big. about almost a point of possession that they all year long had not added to that stat. That was down in the low 20s. Well, early. Sam wasn't turning the ball Exactly. Over, so so right. it's so huge. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, no, so when, and, and, those, so did they get any points off turnovers, Kansas did, the two interceptions? Just yeah. so invaluable whenever that's how other teams are catching up to you. And then in your situation, the few times you do turn it over, you don't allow any points. And basically all that does is shorten the game. It takes away their cheat code, and then now you're playing a 50-minute game because you just wasted the time to get the ball back where you're at. And this is sort of some since we're talking about possessions and trying to steal possessions back we're, I was talking to Rod about this before the show, but I heard on Monday night, or it was Sunday night football, Al Michaels talking about the highest insane rate that the NFL coaches are 
deferring and then choosing to put your defense on the field early on in the game. And if we've reached this point in college football, especially in the Big 12 or at the highest level of the NFL where you're trading scores and your whole goal is just to get that possession back, why are you forfeiting the first possession? Look at the LSU game. They end up against Alabama going and giving the ball to Alabama. Then Alabama ends the half. So Alabama ends with more possessions than LSU does. And I just don't understand, like, if Texas, say, were to win it, it would be nice to see the coaches take the ball here going forward because if we've got to this point where we've almost conceded, like, we're going to be trading scores, we need to steal a possession back, start with that 1-0 advantage on every single possession all the way and make them earn that instead of trying to push it back to the second half so you maybe get that advantage on the back end. just doesn't make sense. No points for Kansas off the two Texas turnovers. That's big. That's big. Big, man. Um. So let's talk about the offense, though. We mentioned the two turnovers, and look, Sam Ellinger was not 100% for that game. We talked last week about the reasons why. Short week, uh, a flight, the cold weather, all that stuff. When you're talking about a shoulder injury, you're dealing with inflammation and pain. But he got through it, Rob, but it was not his best game. And, you know, we can point to the shoulder, but, man, the, the two interceptions he threw – those are just bad decisions. That stuff we haven't seen Sam Ellinger really do all year since the Maryland game. Uh, the first one in particular, it was a, a zone, like a zone blitz, and, and he never saw the, the drop defender threw it right to him. Uh, I think the second one was just, a, I don't know if it was a bad route or a bad read, but it was just bad all the way around. So it wasn't the offense's best day. It was really, I, I, and I feel like I've said this a lot about the Texas offense this year, it was really a workmanlike effort by the offense. Like felt like when they needed to, put a couple drives together to give themselves some distance. They went out and did that in the third quarter. But overall, Rod, not not the best day we've seen for this offense uh, this year. Sam Nelliger, think about this, though. This is how I think, yeah, the shoulder definitely had something to do with it. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But how much, we just aren't really sure. He starts the game 7 of 8. Right? He starts the game pretty damn accurate. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so once he gets going with the shoulder, he starts to He actually, remember he has a third and six scramble that he runs for a first down mm-hmm. and lands on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, he's trying to protect himself. And I was like, well, yeah, he should have landed like, on the other shoulder. Well, I was about to say, he took he, the hit he on took this the hit one. And so it then he lands hits on, this on one. no, he landed. I think he landed on the right shoulder. Well, too. I know that's what I'm saying, but they were yeah. saying he protected it by yeah, taking the yeah. hit with his uh, left. I, know. I was like, and no, it was like, he but he landed all on yeah. the right. Um, after that, that's when we start to see the inconsistency from Sam. That's when the accuracy issues, I agree, the two interceptions, not accuracy issues. He just made bad reads. Uh, it's just good defense by Clinton Bowen, who we've talked about on this show. Yeah, and we'll uh, talk about Kansas, here in a minute. DC, too, yeah. yeah, that we just kind of really like his philosophy. He was able to mix it up against t- Texas. They they bracketed Lil Droid Humphrey and Colin Johnson on. They just kind of rolled the dice on different plays where they thought Texas would pass it, and they bracketed those guys a lot, and that worked. At I mean, that point, if you're Kansas, what do you have to lose? Yeah, exactly. You know? you know what I mean? It worked out for them, and Texas struggled, and at least they were able to stay in the game. Their offense obviously gave them no help at all. So I do think that short week plus them banging around a little bit hurts Sam. If it's about pain tolerance, I think Sam can get that done. But I think mentally you have to understand that all athletes, now you can, you can just deal with the pain, that's fine, but still you know it in your head. It's affecting yeah. you mentally. So I think the pain tolerance, he's tough as nails, he can deal with it. But now mentally he knows he's got a shoulder issue. Uh, so he's got to think about it, of course, because he's trying to protect himself even when he mm. tries to run. So I think that kind of has affected what he's thinking about even when he's throwing. I think it has, So I don't think it's more about him not being able to make those throws because 
he's able to make the throws later on. I don't think that's affecting the accuracy. I think it's more of a mental thing for him. More rest will help. He just needs to feel fresher. At the beginning of the game, he's fresh. He mm-hmm. feels fresh. It's not a lot of pain on that shoulder. And he's like, man, I'm psyching this thing. I'm good. I'm making. I'm running. I'm doing this thing. And I think once he's once he bangs it a little bit, there's some pain. And it's like, all right, I can deal with the pain. But then you're still thinking about your shoulder. Right. So, you know what I mean? Run your conscience. And then, yeah, and then the idea that. Quarterbacks do. That's why you need quarterbacks. You need quarterback gurus. Quarterbacks are they're freaky and weird, man. They're weird about the their balls being inflated and uh-huh. deflated. They're, 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 just free, they're just weird, freaky guys. He's not as. Uh, as much of a prima donna and not as much of a thoroughbred as most quarterbacks, meaning it, even little things mess them up. Like, you know, Peyton Manning, he can't, mm-hmm. you know, it was, we always say that Peyton Manning really was, wasn't as effective in cold weather or outside, right? Yeah. Because he, he, was, he was a guy that needed a controlled environment. And mm-hmm. Tom Brady was a mutter. So Tom Brady can, no matter what the environment, Tom a Brady can get it done. precision scientist, like you think yeah, about in the you know lab. I mean? you know. So with Sam, I don't think it's as big a yeah. deal. But he's still a quarterback, so I think it matters. You yeah. know what I mean? He's, not, he's feeling banged up, you, and it, it matters. He's uh, thinking about it. Rod, you've, you've talked a lot about your shoulder issues over the years. And I just want to know, because I have no idea. I've dealt with them, but I'm not a Division One quarterback, was not a Division One athlete. Yeah. For a quarterback, can you if it's an AC joint deal, can you do a cortisone shot, or do you risk that really messing oh, something man. else up? You don't want to be good, yeah. I I don't because the technology at this point, I'm sure, is so much more advanced than what I was doing. So I I hope that's not where they're going with mm. it. You know what I mean? I hope they're thinking long term, right? You know right. what I mean? So in like, terms of long term rehab, really, what he needs is just rest. That was a ter- that was just a the worst week for him to get injured because it was a short week for mm-hmm. the next game and he didn't get the rest. He just needs more rest. This will be a better, I think, week for him because he's going to get more than a week. He got an extra it. day, yeah. Yeah, an extra day. To- Dude, the extra day is huge for him, which is you know multiple I mean? days compared to the week yeah. before when he played. And then the idea that when you're talking about the injury, it isn't necessarily that it's hurting. It's more of like if you say get hit and you're in the middle of a throw, your confidence in your body not like when you see a golfer. It's, remember watching Tiger Woods? It was like he was yeah. still going to grip and rip it, but he could, couldn't control the idea of whenever it matters, it's man. triggering the injury, it so matters. it can get into your conscience. Yeah, that was their wide receivers, right? They tear something like they don't they don't cut as fast, or they don't they scared to open it up after you tear. Watch your Gordon hamstring. Hayward play basketball it, this year. Yeah, he it still matters, isn't man. Back it yet. matters. I guess mm-hmm. that's what sports psychologists are for. You know what I mean? Um, Not that he needs a sports psychologist. The, the big thing I took <laughs> away. Probably uses. Yeah. The big oh, thing I took away from the <laughs> offense, though, against Kansas, and and we'll this is where we'll start our conversation with the Big Twelve Championship game, because I think your offensive line, if you're Texas, is gonna need to be your MVP this week. And your offensive line and Andrew Beck. If Texas wins this game against Oklahoma, it'll be because the offensive line and Andrew Beck, we're talking about them having had a great game as one entity in the run game. Uh, and, Rod, you look at this run game, and it just kind of did what it did all year. At no point could you consider it terrible. Um, I don't know that you could call it great, but it was just kind of really effective throughout the day. Trey Watson busts that 31-yard run at a time where – Felt like the offense was really stagnant. They needed something. Like you said, Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey were pretty much taken out of the game by Kansas. That sounds weird to say, but it was a fact. <laughs> but when the offense needed something, man, and, and that just shows you, like, we hit that point in the midseason where people are like, why didn't Keontae Ingram get more carries? Why didn't they give the ball to Keontae Ingram more? Well, because Trey Watson has never been bad enough or unproductive enough to where you can rationalize a reason taking away his carries or touches. And now you're starting to see, I don't know if it's Keontae Ingram dealing with the hip injury or maybe he hit a little bit of a wall. I don't know. But 
We've seen Trey Watson for the last two weeks really carry this run game, Rod, and you've got two capable running backs yep. that at any point in time, maybe they're not going to give you the 70, 80-yard run, but they'll give you the 15, 16-yard run that can get you off a goal line or get a drive going or you know give you some breathing room, whatever the case needs to be. I like where this run game is right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And like you said, they're going to need it. And it's going to be an ugly. They need to turn this game into an ugly game. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, they, it definitely does not need to be what it was on the first meeting. And to do that, you need the offensive line to step up and be big. And you need, you know, Trey Watson. You need some. I mean, Keontae Ingram's been a little bit banged up. Sam's obviously banged up. It's going to be a team effort with the running game. But I agree with you. I think that's how you win it. Time of possession is going to be big. I think Texas... What they are, what are they? I think they're like eight and one when they win time of possession, some crazy number like that. I know that coincides weird. with running forty plus times. Yeah, they just have they, to they go together. keep the ball away from Kyler Murray. I believe in that first game. Make sure I get it right. That's a Kyler straight correlation. Murray, what, what Oklahoma have fifty eight plays. Fifty eight plays. They had less than sixty plays in that game. You know yes, right? fifty eight plays. Yeah, dude. They got maybe they had to maximize every down, and when they turned they it over, scoring. two of those plays. All right. Two of those plays, they turned – well, actually, I won't say three. I had, may have mm. three turnovers technically. But, you know I mean, two directly related to Kyler Murray. Then that's big. And so you you put the pressure on them to maximize every downhill. When they don't even get more than five yards per play, that's a win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Against Oklahoma because they're used to getting eight yards per play. You know what I mean? You're in that kind of universe. That's why Tom Herman talks about well, our offense. All we need to do is score one more point in their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, we play complementary football. These are things he often says because he knows in the Big Twelve, one phase of the game is not going to win it being really good or really you know bad. It, you need all phases, and that's how Texas is going to win. That Oklahoma defense is is I'm talking about historically bad. It's one of the worst in the country, but yes. their offense. Is historically good, one of the best in the country, yes. one of the best Ever. in the history of college football. So they don't really have any balance. Like they are just a, you know what I mean? It's all about that offense and that's it. They don't have that. Texas has balance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The defense, it's not great, but there are things they do really well. The offense, it's not great, but there are things they do really well. Mm-hmm. Special teams, not really great, but there are things they do really well. It's balance, and that balance has a chance to beat OU. If Texas gets lopsided in any phase of the game, that balance is off a little bit, and that's why those fourth quarters where the defense falls off a cliff, uh, and, you know what I mean? All the offense falls off a cliff in a quarter. It, it's, it's, all, it's, all, it's so detrimental to Texas, it almost incapacitates them. Or you do what you did against Kansas where you start losing field position. Yeah, because of that's teams. why Tulsa becomes a tight game in Kansas State, even though you, Texas is better, and we're like, Texas isn't going to lose this game. Mm. But how the hell did it become a tight game? Mm. That's how. Yeah. I think that's why there's so much here, balance with bit. Texas. No, they're not great at anything, but they're, they got things they're really good at. And, and I think that's why, that's why Tom Herman talks about this team overachieving. And, and that yeah. kind of gets lost because people say that, well, is he saying his team's bad? Is he – is he mocking his players yeah. saying down? No. But you you it look is. at you look at this roster, guys, and there's this is a roster that's still got holes. Developing. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not ready to go compete for a national championship, but they've been winning ball games, Rod, like you said. And, and uh, Gary Patterson had, I think, the best quote that kind of sums up the Big Twelve. And uh he was asked about the perception that the Big Twelve doesn't play defense, which if you want to get a sound bite, go ask Gary Patterson about not playing defense, who's one of the most defensive forward-thinking coaches in this league and in the country. And he said it's not a matter – and I'm paraphrasing here. He said it's not a matter of not playing defense. Winning this league is all about 
if you're just elite and and great in one phase of the game, that's really what it is. I mean, when he referenced Oklahoma, your face, and he said, "I'd love to see team somebody else try to stop Kyler Murray in that <laughs> offense because I'm glad I don't have to face him twice." Because when you've got a historically elite offense like this Oklahoma offense is. You don't have to be good on defense. They don't need balance. You don't really have to be good on special teams. If you're that much you're better that good than everybody on. else in that one phase Screw of the game. every other phase. You don't and like you, Rod, you said it perfectly. That's why Tom Herman can talk about a team overachieving. They're, this isn't a great team in any one phase of the game. You can look yeah. at certain statistical categories and situations exactly. where they're really good, but they're really just getting by on playing smart, physical football. Taking care of the football. That's really all it is. Taking yeah. away the football. Yeah, that's really it. Pre- it's really time the basics. That's it's why it's kind of boring sometimes. That's why it's, it's really yeah. – you look at the two things – sexy about it. You look at the two things Tom Herman demands of his team, which he talks about all the time, which are ball security and effort. Like, this team plays hard. I don't think there's anybody that would dispute that. Mm-hmm. There's never been a game this year where we said, man, they're, they're dogging it today. They, they don't look like they got it. No, this team plays hard. And, yeah, they take care of the football. Yep. It's really – Matt, back to your earlier point about valuing possessions, mm-hmm. not turning the football over. If you follow that – if you're able to follow that formula, which Texas has, getting by on just kind of grit and physicality and toughness and smarts, yeah, that can win you a lot of games, even in this conference. And you pointed out perfectly when you talked about just the balance, and it isn't as if you have anybody that stands out, but – it's literally all the things in the preseason we were asking about with Ellinger not turning it over, becoming a guy that can find Colin and can find LJ. You're getting that. And then when you looked at we wanted to see some passing out of the backfield when you combine Ingram and Trey Watson, 45 or 49 targets, 41 receptions for 260 yards and five touchdowns. Then if you take out the sack yardage, you have three guys over 500 yards rushing Ellinger at 536, Keontae at 676. You have Watson up at 656. If you combine that, you're talking 1350 rushing just from the running backs, another 250 yeah. receiving on a high target rate, being a, or a high catch rate on multiple, like four, you're over 40 receptions. That was the target point that we wanted to get from a running back. This two headed monster is working really well. And then when you don't turn it over and then your defense gets it back, it's like perfectly yep. balanced for what you want. And it's everything we asked about, even just average play from the offensive line, getting that too. And then it's a perfect matchup to go up against the per, the ideal Big 12 team in Oklahoma right now. And y'all brought up the historical nature of what Oklahoma's at. And when in the preseason and before the Oklahoma game this year, we talked about how the 2017 and 2016 OU offenses historically, if you go back from 2010 to now, since you had some of these more advanced offensive rankings come out, you had five offenses that were the best all time. OU 2017, then you had Johnny Manziel 2013, just behind them, right around 47.2, 47.1. You have Oklahoma 16 and then Cam Newton in 2010. All those are bunched between 47.2 and 46.8 adjusted points per game. Right now, you look at Oklahoma, they're at 52.3. This Kyler Murray offense is the best in the history of college football, and it isn't even close. It's blowing out all the other ones. Tua, right now, Tua's offense would be sixth all time. That Alabama offense is great, and it's nothing compared to what Kyler Murray's doing. Rod, you go back and look at the first game, uh, and and this is where I want to get into the David Beatty situation that Lincoln Riley doesn't seem too happy 
that uh, Tom Herman's going through. Which, by the way, I'm sure Lincoln Riley's got whether it's Cliff Kingsbury or somebody else. I'm sure mm-hmm. he's got somebody he's consulting this week to. He's he ain't on his side. I mean, you just don't make it official. Right. I just send out a, I just send out a text and say, "Hey, man, can you uh, got a chance to talk later?" <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what, what most people do. The fact that Tom Herman's making it public actually is weird and strange. Well, it, Throwing it, it, his boy a bone. He didn't make friend. it public. It went public, and then he had to that's address right. it. Right, Andrew Richardson broke the story. That's true, but uh, if it's just between them two, I don't know how it gets out there. If you're Tom Herman, you got to be wondering, like, hey, I think he wants to give there? his buddy who Did was— I just, He had to tell just a few people, you know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm reaching out to David. Because it didn't even become official because David Bay didn't come here. They literally just talked on the phone. Yeah, but yeah. I, I want to get into it, so— you, I'll start by yeah. mentioning the Kansas run game against Oklahoma, which on, thir- on 39 carries, Kansas runs for 348 on Oklahoma. It's the most rushing yards Oklahoma gave up this year, even more than yeah. Army ran for. Army ran for, I think, 339 yeah. uh, in their game. But 39 carries. Puka Williams, who we, we talked yeah. about him a little bit. Puka Williams could play for anybody in this in conference. Yeah. He could play for just and about anybody, anybody in the country. Uh, Puka <laughs> Williams legit. ran for 252 on, on 16 carries. Yeah. Do you realize his yards per carry was yeah. higher than Samaj P. Ryan's yards per carry was when he set the NCAA rushing record against Kansas a couple of years ago when he, it seemed yeah. like he was running for 15, 60-yard touchdowns every play? Yeah. he's the uh, Since 2000, he's the only running back to rush for at least 250 yards in a game with 15 or fewer rushes. I mean, he's, that was that was a freak thing. I'm it's telling you, joke. it was crazy. But, yeah, I mean, I, so I understand that. that Dave, that's why that David Betty move makes sense. What so, did you find out about Oklahoma? Right. So, in and, Texas, yeah, we, we can agree, Rod, their run game concepts aren't that diverse, man. They run outside zone. They run inside zone. Yep. They run some pin and pull stuff. But it's not like – they're not like Oklahoma, where you look at Oklahoma schematically and look at some of their run game concepts, and you're like, "Oh my god, like this is like next level stuff." Yeah, they're doing. Uh, it's pretty simple, but it, I think all it would take from David Beatty to Tom Herman say, "No, no, no, you don't have to get outside the box. Just keep your simple inside zone. If you just yep. kind of keep keep stabbing a little bit, you'll gash him at some point." That's what Ellinger this game against Oklahoma. Whenever it sort of became the staple of this running game stretch. was in that game. We, but but before that, we hadn't seen that as just, "Oh wait, this is unstoppable." Okay, every time in the Going, go Ellinger. So I want to go to Texas. I'll take this back to David Beatty here in a second. Uh, Rod, we talk about ball control, and you look at the first game, Texas won time of possession almost 34 minutes to 26 minutes for Oklahoma. Yeah, And we talk about the differential in plays, 58 for Oklahoma, 75 plays for Texas. And that ball control style, that 40 40 carries in a game, that stat is going to be huge this week. Mm -hmm. Texas at this point, you realize Texas 7-0 this season, 13-0, under Tom Herman, when you run the ball at least 40 times. And I know that might, again, that might sound like an arbitrary stat, and people out there go, I wish you guys would stop talking no, about game the 40 carries stat. a game. But when you look at the way Texas plays offense, I want to run down some statistical categories mm-hmm. where this offense is among the best in the country. Turnovers lost, 10. That's number six in the country. Third down conversion rate, over 45%, they're 24th. Fourth down conversion rate, 75%, they're tied for third. Time of possession, 32-38 per game, they're 18th in the country. They're top 25 in the country in all those categories I just mentioned. So when you talk about a team that wants to take care of the ball, maximize their possessions, keep your offense off the field, Texas, once again, has followed the formula to do it. And why David Beatty is so important to Tom Herman, Rod, and this goes back to I caught up with David Beatty briefly. In uh, Big Twelve Media Days is one of those deals, especially no disrespect to David Beatty in the position he held, but when you can get the head coach at Kansas, you can usually get him one on one for a couple mm-hmm. of minutes. Yeah. I did with David Beatty, and we talked about Tom Herman, and I actually didn't know this, but 
the the part of what I'm going to talk about. I knew all this other stuff when when Todd Graham leaves Rice prematurely at the end of 2006, which that's kind of how Todd Graham leaves every job. <laughs> but uh, Chris Del Conte, who at the time was the athletic director at Rice, decides I don't need a splash hire. I just want the best fit. I want the best fit for Rice. He goes and hire da- hires David Bailiff from Texas State, who two years earlier or the year earlier uh, had taken Texas State to within an eyelash of playing for a national championship in one double A. David Bailiff brings Tom Herman with him from his Texas State staff to be his mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, and he keeps David Beatty. David Beatty had only been with Todd Graham for one year, was a high school coach before that, but David Beatty's a holdover on that staff. And Tom Herman, we know his offensive philosophy was founded in that Greg Davis offense, Rod, that 11 personnel yep. kind of spread hybrid. But Greg Davis, you know at his heart, he's an I-formation guy and wants to run yeah. the football and be physical. Go right downhill. So that's where Tom Herman founded it. But how does Tom Herman get to the pro spread? David Beatty said he introduced Tom Herman to a lot of the spread concepts that Tom Herman took and ran with. And I asked David Beatty about that, and he said, but he's so smart, this is Beatty referring to Tom Herman, he just took it to an unbelievable level. <laughs> so Tom Herman creates Beautiful essentially mind. creates this pro spread, taking you know kind of the Greg Day, a modified version of the Greg Davis offense he ran at Texas State, Gets with David Beatty, a spread guy, and then eventually at some point you create the pro spread and Urban Meyer helped him take it to another level, blah, blah, blah. Well, now we've got Tom Herman's offense, but David Beatty was on the ground floor. So, Rod, if there's anybody, maybe other than Greg Davis, who can get into Tom Herman's football brain and figure out, okay, I can give him this personnel tweak or this thing I see, and I can relate it to him in a way that I think he'll understand and we can vibe together. Maybe he can use this to his advantage. I think it's David Beatty, even if it's a prolonged telephone call, now that David Beatty's got some time on his hands. That there's, I don't know if you could quantify how much that can help because if that co- phone call or that conversation or however much they correspond this week, if that helps unlock some kind of tweak, some kind of personnel move that maybe Tom Herman's been thinking about doing, but if he hears it from David Beatty, he says, all right, yes, I trust yep. this now. We'll go with this. I like this. That can make the difference between Texas winning and losing. Okay, so let me just – he's not hiring David Beatty as a consultant. No. He's just having a consultation with David Beatty. Yes, Okay, so there are two can I just say this? I think this is all a bunch of BS, man. I'm serious. I, I don't think it's nothing. I don't think there's anything to it. Like this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It does. It like, does. Literally, this is. I can't believe this is a story. <laughs> yeah, honestly, this happens every week at the college pro level and the high school level. By the way, yes. I agree. Well, and the hits, NFL hits up one of his coaching friends who yes. just played that guy earlier this year. Who he doesn't really have to play, or even they, they they may even play, but they're friends, and they go, listen, we ain't talking and about And employed us. by a school, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're friends. Just tell me, hey man, I just want to know what's going on with them. Like, yeah, let me give me a little secrets. Let me know what you saw that I ain't see. I may not be seeing. Yep. Happens all the time. So the fact that this is out there to me means Tom Herman wants it out there, and that means he's just screwing with Lincoln Riley and who, throwing based above. on the comments. That Lincoln Riley just had could mean it's already working in his head. Because all True. I need you to do is go to practice and start overthinking things. Because hell, your game plan obviously worked. You know what I mean? Like everything worked. Now you're looking at Kansas so, in even, even for Texas versus Oklahoma. So I'm saying yes, you could trying to get advantages, but you also probably have done that multiple times already this year and every year since you've been a coach. But now it's out there, so I think you want it out there because it's a rematch. So you need. I think this is. I think this is. I think this is this old school kind of gamesmanship. 
I think he's just kind of going after Lincoln Riley. He knew it would upset him. Uh, that you know, because everybody can say this is highly uncharacteristic. Usually, people don't let people know that this is going to happen. And I know it leaked out there, and it was great reporting by Andrew Richardson. But to me, I think this is Tom Herman. He's just he's just having a little fun with Lincoln Riley. Not a little fun. I think he wants Lincoln Riley to overthink it. Lincoln Riley to go in there and try to. Um, try to do too much, try to, you know, would break his tendencies too much. You know, he thinks I'm going to do this, so I'm going to actually do this. And almost, and almost kind of self-scout himself out of the game. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I, I think that's part of it. I really do. Like, it doesn't just make something- any sense. Well, the story doesn't make any sense. No, really. it, it, to me, Rod, it, it, to me, Rod, it makes perfect sense because I just gave you the backstory. No, no, no. With Beatty it and Herman, make any sense that the story is out there because that happens all the time. Yeah, and he was what's funny is, no, I, I agree. That's and that's normally, that's not yeah. news. If he was hiring him, it's a story. Yeah. He's hiring him onto the staff. You know right. what I mean? That's, that's the story. That was never going to happen. He was consulting right. him a phone call between old friends, and he's you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's not news. That's the Tom, Tom Herman said it right. That's not news. Yeah, that so happens all the time. I don't think any of it's really news. I, my point is, this happens all the time, and he was doing this anyway. He's done this already with other coaches. Yeah. My my point right. is, they want they want this out there. They want right. Lincoln to Riley to know this information. The reason being, because he wants Lincoln Riley to overthink it, freak out about it, and you know. Right. Which tying our stories together, I just gave you. Decision. I just gave you the backstory. Lincoln Riley's got to be thinking, well, hell, I mean, they've been together for a long time. What if there, what if there was something on what that field? What do they know? Yeah, exactly. What do they know? Exactly. He freaks out. And so, he makes a bad – what do people do when they're fearful and they freak out? Mm-hmm. They make bad decisions. There's That is what people do, no matter if we talk about political or right. social, whatever, relationships. When people freak out and they start getting fearful and they start getting insecure, Rational. they make bad decisions. Rod, you're He's trying to turn Lincoln Riley into a bad decision maker, do something drastic right now. Same thing we did when we, replay, when we played Colorado again. I was just fixing to bring that up, right, yes. In 2001, when Carl Boris started to randomly freak out. Yeah. You know what? We got to stop Chris Brown. It's like, whoa, 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 we beat them 30, about 30 something points early. Don't change the game. But they just did thing. this to Nebraska. Like, no, 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 no. This is, they, they, they're really hot. They, they, they're getting, they, they figured something out. Let's do this. Let's do something different. And we switched up our defensive game plan and got railroaded. There's not they a lot. You're Nebraska again. You know what I mean? Don't there, overthink it, man. There's not a lot that Tom Herman needs to change from his offensive game plan from the first meeting. And to me, Rod, this is the overriding theme from this game and this series the last few years. Texas knows they're more physical than Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't think yeah. they're more physical. They, they don't go into the game hoping to be more physical. They know they can punch Oklahoma in the mouth and at some point Oklahoma will fold. Sorry Sooner fans, that's what happened in the first game. That's how you get down by 21 points going into the fourth quarter. At some point, Oklahoma folded. It just so happens they've got maybe the best college football player in the country, maybe the best football player to ever play high school football in the state of Texas at quarterback, and he leads you to a 21-point comeback. Pretty Texas much. wins at the end. But, yes, that's how you get down. That's And has anybody noticed, like, Oklahoma's defensive issues weren't just magically fixed because they got rid of Mike Stoops. No, they mm-hmm. gotten worse mm-hmm. actually. Statistically, their their defense is worse. Yes, because they have. <laughs> what do you do when massive, you're massive? You make rational decisions. <laughs> huge, statistically, it's huge worse. personnel deficiencies yeah. on that side of the ball. Guess what? Going up against the Texas wide receivers, the Oklahoma DBs didn't grow three inches and gain twenty pounds. Yeah, they're still the same guys. Yeah, not good. So yeah. I, I I like and going back to the David Beatty thing, I do think if there's something to be found in Oklahoma that maybe Tom Herman didn't see, David Beatty's the kind of guy that can help him find it. I agree with that. But overall, Rod, you made the point I was gonna get to. 
talk about this psychological warfare between mm-hmm. these two schools. The and there was a point in this yeah. series, Rod, and you were a part of some of those <laughs> games where Oklahoma had the edge psychologically. Oh, yeah. People can talk about it. It was a big it's deal. It's was how the Mac era flipped. It's like everything post-Mac sort of went down the crapper, except for somehow we have a mental edge over Oklahoma now. But you know when it changed? Uh, ironically, when it changed? Max last year. Mm-hmm, 2013. When Texas goes up there, and, and my buddy Chris Dukes, who runs uh, the Oklahoma, helps run the Oklahoma uh, fan-sided site, I remember we talked the day after that game, and he said, you know when I realized they were in trouble? I said, when? He said, Texas had a fourth down, or fourth and short, third and short early in that game, and they just lined up, and Malcolm Brown got like seven yards before mm-hmm. anybody laid a hand on it. And he said, at that point, I realized Oklahoma was screwed. Texas ran it, I think, 51, 55 times, Jay something Gray like and that. Brown both yeah, both went over games. 100. Ever since that game, the the big bad beast that was Oklahoma, it's like Texas beat that thing with a stick and buried it that day. It bludgeoned it to death oh, that day in the Cotton Bowl. Because this team. program, Rod, has approached this game totally different than they did before from that point on. And for all the things Charlie Strong didn't do right while he was the head coach of Texas, the one thing he did right, and it's probably because that game, as we talk about, is more like an SEC-style game than any other game on the schedule. Charlie Strong got Texas to play really well in that Oklahoma game. Yeah. And his coaching style lent itself really well to that Oklahoma game. Oklahoma became a bully in the Bob Stoops era, and Mac could never stand up to him, but he did later on once he got Vince, and later mm-hmm. on he learned how to do it. And you're right, since then, yeah, they, they lost that bully mentality. Now they got to kind of reinvent themselves in the rivalry. So, now, when we talk about this consulting with Texas and Kansas, and I agree with you, you know, the psychological warfare, this the David, it's Lincoln Ryan talking about David Beatty and Sam Ellinger, or Kyler Murray being asked about Sam Ellinger's game and saying he has no comment on it. And I think Texas is in Oklahoma's head right now. Because I think that staff, very rarely have they had to deal with failure. Not only do they have to deal with failure, but now they've got to try to go and beat Texas again. And I think Oklahoma knows Texas was the more physical team in the first matchup. How could you not when you go back and watch that tape and know who the more physical team was? So I like the fact that Texas is at a point now in this rivalry where they can kind of play some of those mind games and make Mm -hmm. Oklahoma flinch a little bit. Any little thing you could do to give yourself an edge. But, Rod, when we talk about the consultation, the one thing I want to mention that I think could be key is Tom Herman mentioned that the Texas staff talked to Clint Bowen, the Kansas defensive coordinator. We talked last week on this show, we talked last week on the Rodcast about how Clint Bowen in the Big 12 is kind of an underappreciated asset because he's been in the league such a long time. He was on the Mangino staff. He was with Bill Young, which Bill Young, as we know, kind of gave everybody the modern blueprint for what to value defensively in the Big 12. And Clint Bowen kind of learned. He was an offensive guy and then cut his teeth as a mm-hmm. defensive assistant on Bill Young's staff yep. at Kansas back in the mid-2000s. And what was the one thing Kansas was really good at doing this year? Forcing turnovers. 27 forced turnovers, Take third away. in the country at the end of the regular season. And, Rod, when you look at what made the difference in the first matchup between Texas and Oklahoma, it was the two turnovers. Texas got mm-hmm. 10 points off the two turnovers they forced. Yep. Pretty much. That was the difference in the game was those two turnovers. And Kansas was able to force two turnovers on Oklahoma. So it, it, that's something also. And force to, Texas into two turnovers, and Texas doesn't turn the football Yeah, off. and that, <laughs> yeah. That's, mm-hmm. something to, that's something to pick Clint yeah. Bowen's brain because maybe there was something. Now, this is where I think it does get interesting. Maybe there was something schematically that Clint Bowen looked at and said, you know what, we weren't able to do that. But I see Oklahoma's deficient in this area. And guess what, Todd Orlando? You've got the horses 
to yeah. be able to do this. You've got Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster and Brandon Jones on the back end and Gary Johnson, a linebacker. You've got the speed and athleticism to hang with Oklahoma on the perimeter. I saw this. Maybe you can go take a look at it, but I think you guys can do whatever it is, whatever concept or blitz or whatever mm-hmm. you guys can take and go run with and go have success against Oklahoma with. Totally agree. Yeah, no doubt about it. So are we at the point now with this game, guys, where – it's just going to come down to the same stuff the Texas Oklahoma game always comes down to turnovers, turnovers and rushing game. scrimmage. Yeah, um, and, and, and Sam Ellinger's health, discipline play in the back end is like because one mistake can negate a whole quarter of good defense if you just have a few big plays allowed. So that's the main thing. I'm going to assume the DVs are going to get beat. So I would yeah. say just turnovers and mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not like, dismissed them. Just saying that this is one of the most explosive offenses in the country. The DBs are going to get beat. You got, yep. you got to stop the ball. Just don't beat yourself yeah. beforehand. You, too. Exactly. And red zone defense, if they can stop them. Yeah, you got to <laughs> stop the ball. Yeah. All right, we ready for predictions? Let's do yes, it. Let's do it. All right, it's the most Big Twelve thing ever that this game, maybe the best game on championship weekend, is kicking off at 11 a.m. But of such, course. Such right. as, it's because we game, took baby. our game away. Texas OU always 11 a.m. And That's you can only blame the Big 12 because you had to let the game disappear, and now there's no time slot to plug it in. And by the way, folks, I'll say it again. This game is in Arlington. It's not in Dallas. It's true. It's in Arlington. In the Dallas yeah. Cowboys Stadium, though, if you want to be technical. Yeah. If you go to Dallas <laughs> looking for the game, you're going to be very disappointed. It's in Arlington. To us, Austin Knights, that's all Dallas. I'm yeah. I'm a Texan. I, I want people to be proud of where they're from, be proud of your cities. That's like saying, well, I'm going to Austin. <laughs> when, you, when you're really going to Pflugerville or you're really going to Round Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Rod, you're from Houston. Say, well, I'm going to Houston. That doesn't help me. What part of Houston are you going to? H-Town, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah, seriously, Houston. H-Town's huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, huge. I would say this. The last time the game was played away from Dallas, 1923, last time Texas OU played twice in the season was 1903. Three, I yeah. believe. Oklahoma so. wasn't a state yet. Yeah, this is historic, baby. Get it right. You look at that AP, that AP uh, dateline. It says Norman OT, Oklahoma Territory. Our, yeah. our oldest American, who's also the oldest veteran, who also is an Austinite, Richard Overton, is like 113. He was almost alive. So nobody <laughs> in the America was alive when last time this happened. All right, boys. It's time to call our shot, man. This has been uh, it's been an interesting year to watch, but it all comes down to this Texas playing for a conference championship. Matt, start with you, man. What are you thinking? Last time I saw this line, it was about seven and a half. Yep, it uh, actually had started out a little bit below that. Started and, five and a half. Yeah, and it just flew up immediately. Big money got onto it, and it looks like the over unders came down, which isn't good because that's an OU's favor too. That's at about seventy eight, and right now it's at seven and a half. And it's a game that I just uh, I'd love to see Texas win, but I just don't feel like it's gonna happen. And it's gonna be a high scoring back and forth. Now there's gonna be some defense, and I think because. Because OU defense is so bad that Texas will cover with that hook. But by the end of it, it's just, I'd say Texas loses a 42 to 38. Okay. Rod B, mm. what say you? Um, yeah, I uh, Texas just is not the same team in, in a bad way that they were when they met because Sam Ellinger's held such a big deal. He had the best game of his career versus OU in that game. Um, the injuries to the backfield, the injuries to the in secondary, Brandon Jones, I know he's going to play, Colin Johnson, so many guys that were key contributors in that game are just going to be a little bit hampered by injury. You know, this is a game of inches. That could just be enough. Uh, and, hell, some of those guys were key in forcing turnovers and getting big plays. Um, man, OU, that offense is better, but, man, that defense is so bad. Yeah, I know. It's so bad. That's I, the one thing that made me want to take Yeah, them. you know what? I'm going to go with – 
you know what? I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I said pull it out a a squeaker, man. It's going to be 40. It'll probably be like 45 to 42 or something like that, Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma can't stop Texas either. Or they could just barely do it mm-hmm. if they did it. So, yeah, I'll take Oklahoma in, in the rematch. That's unfortunate, but, yeah, just not feeling Texas in this one. Uh, not, not, not without a 100% Sam. In this game, I always go who's better along the line of scrimmage. It's always how I try to pick this game. It's true. And guess what? Texas is the better team along the line of scrimmage. Rod, I'll go the the opposite of your score. I'll go the other way. I'll go Texas wins 45-42. Yeah. Hey, man, I hope I'm wrong, too. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong, too. Yeah, no doubt. All right. We'll see what happens. I will be at AT&T Stadium. Matt, you'll be watching it, I guess, from the comfort of your own home. Yes, most likely. Rod B. Horn watch party at Pluckers, correct? Yeah, the, uh, I believe the link location, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Ooh, is where we have the watch party. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be early. Yeah. I was thinking I might go to the bar, and then I was like, no, it's 11 a.m. for this Yeah, watch? but also the uh, post-game watch party. Post-game ah, party there you there. go. So we'll Get people to come out and there. celebrate with yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Celebrate and watch Alabama. Watch me eat some crow. Watch Watch Alabama and Georgia. Whatever. That is literally (laughs) close enough. That's close enough. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019-1260, streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you can get us anywhere you get your podcasts and always find our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.